Welcome back to Wick Me to Sleep. Last week's episode was maybe actually a little too interesting, but this week, let's go down a really boring path right from the get-go. If you don't know what this is, Wick Me to Sleep is a show where we follow intriguing blue links on Wikipedia until we find progressively more boring articles until you're fast asleep. Before we get going, I just want to welcome all of our brand new listeners again. Would really appreciate if you take the time to like the podcast on Apple or Spotify. Make sure you definitely subscribe. And if you're so inclined, please leave a comment. We really appreciate that. And tonight, we'll randomly start on an article titled HMS Lease. HMS Lease. Two ships of the Royal Navy have been born the name HMS Lease. HMS Lease, 1745, a 24-gun, 6th rate vessel, captured from the French in 1745 and sold in 1749, and HMS Lease, 1755, a 64-gun, 3rd rate ship of the line, captured from the French in 1755, commissioned for a single transatlantic voyage and sold in the same year. Let's jump into a third-rate ship. In the rating system of the Royal Navy, a third-rate was the ship of the line, which from the 1720s mounted between 64 and 80 guns, typically built with two gun decks, thus related term two-decker. Years of experience proved that third-rate ships embodied the best compromise between sailing ability, speed and handling, firepower, and cost. So while first rates and second rates were both larger and more powerful, third-rate ships were the optimal configuration. When the rating system was first established in the 1620s, the third rate was defined as those ships having at least 200 but not more than 300 men. Previous to this, the type had been classified as middling ships. By the 1660s, the means of classification had shifted from the number of men to the number of carriage-mounted guns, and third rates at that time mounted between 48 and 60 guns. By the turn of the century, the criterion boundaries had increased and third-rate carried more than 60 guns, with second-rates having between 90 and 98 guns, while first-rates had 100 guns or more, and fourth-rates between 48 and 60 guns. By the latter half of the 18th century, they carried between 500 and 720 men. This designation became especially common because it included the 74-gun ship which eventually came to be the most popular size of large ship for navies of several different nations. It was an easier ship to handle than a first- or second-rate ship, but still possessed enough firepower to potentially destroy any single opponent other than a three-decker. It was also cheaper to operate. By the end of the 18th century, ships of the line were usually categorized directly by their number of guns, the numbers even being used as the same name of 
the class as in a squadron of 374s, but officially the rating system continued until the end of the Age of Sail, only undergoing a modification in 1817. Let's click into Age of Sail. The Age of Sail is a period that lasted at the latest from the mid-16th or mid-15th to the mid-19th centuries, in which the dominance of sailing ships and global trade and warfare culminated, particularly marked by the introduction of naval artillery, then ultimately reached its highest extent at the advent of the analog age of steam. Enabled by the advances of the related age of navigation, it is identified as a distinctive element of the early modern period in the age of discovery. Especially in context of the latter, it refers to a more particular Eurocentric age of sail, while generally the age of sail is the culminating period of a long intercontinental history of sailing. Like most periodic eras, defining the age is inexact and serves only as a general description. The term is used differently for warships and merchant vessels. Sailing ships are an ancient technology, making far-reaching trade like the ancient spice trade possible. With the Mongol invasion of Java, cannons started to be used in naval warfare, and by the 14th century, naval artillery was employed in Europe, documented at the Battle of Arnimuidin in 1338. The 15th century Besides the established sea powers of the central Indian Ocean trade, such as maritime kingdoms of Austronesia, saw a rise in the deployment of oceans, voyaging fleets, including carrying naval artillery from the extreme points of the trade, such as the Ming treasure voyages or the Iberian naval ventures, all the way along the African Atlantic coast and across the Atlantic Ocean, starting the age of discovery. Let's click into spice trade. The spice trade involved historical civilizations in Asia, Northeast Africa, and Europe. Spices such as cinnamon, cassia, cardamom, ginger, pepper, nutmeg, star anise, clove, and turmeric were known and used in antiquity and traded in the Eastern world. The spices found their way into the Near East before the beginning of the Christian era, with fantastic tales hiding their true sources. The maritime aspect of the trade was dominated by the Austronesian peoples in Southeast Asia, namely the ancient Indonesian sailors who established routes from Southeast Asia to Sri Lanka and India, and later China by 1500 BC. These goods were then transported by land towards the Mediterranean and the Greco-Roman world via the incense route and the Roman-Indian routes by Indian and Persian traders. The Austronesian maritime trade lanes later expanded into the Middle East and in Eastern Africa by the first millennium AD, resulting in the Austronesian colonization of Madagascar. With specific regions, the Kingdom of Axum, 
5th century BC to AD 11th century, had pioneered the Red Sea route before the 1st century AD. During the first millennium AD, Ethiopians became the maritime trading powers of the Red Sea. By this period, trade routes existed from Sri Lanka and India, which had acquired maritime technology from early Austronesian contact. By mid-7th century AD, after the rise of Islam, Arab traders started plying these maritime routes and dominated the Western Indian Ocean maritime routes. Let's click into Ethiopians. Ethiopians are the native inhabitants of Ethiopia, as well as the global diaspora of Ethiopia. Ethiopians constitute several component ethnic groups, many of which are closely related to ethnic groups in neighboring Eritrea and other parts of the Horn of Africa. The first documented use of the name Ethiopia from Greek Ethiopian was in the 4th century during the reign of Aksumite King Hazana. There were three ethno-linguistic groups in the kingdom of Aksum, Semitic, Cushitic, and Nilo-Saharan, ancestors of the modern-day Kunama and Nara. The kingdom of Aksum remained a geopolitically influential entity until the pillage of its capital, also named Aksum, in the 10th century by Queen Gudi. Nevertheless, the core Aksumite civilization was preserved and continued into the successive Zagwe dynasty. By this time, new ethnic groups emerged, the Tigrayans and Amaras, during. During the Solomonic period, the latter established major political and cultural influence in the Horde of Africa. In the late Middle Ages, Muslim states were established, including the Sultanate of Ifat and its successor, the Adal Sultanate. Discontent with territory and religious dominance led to intense war between the Ethiopian Empire, the Christian state, consisting of the Amara, Tigrayan, Sodo Guraj, and Aga ethnic groups, and the Muslim state Adal Sultanate, consisting of Semitic-speaking Harari, formerly known as the Harla people, and the Argoba. During the 1600s, there were large-scale migrations of the Oromo from the south into the highlands and also alongside the Somali into Adal, or what was known as Harage, land of the Hararis. A period of stability and peace continued through the Gondarine period in 16th and 17th century, but Ethiopia was divided into de facto autonomous regions in the mid-18th century. Let's click into autonomous regions. Regional autonomy is decentralization of governance to outlying regions. Recent examples of disputes over autonomy include the Basque region of Spain, the Catalan region of Spain, the Sicilia region of Italy, the disputes over autonomy of provinces in Indonesia. Current examples of autonomous regions include 
the Guangxi Zhuang Autonomous Region in China, and the Cherokee Nation in the United States. For the first time in this podcast, we're going to use the See Also section of a Wikipedia page. Then we're going to click into Regionalization. Regionalization is the tendency to form decentralized regions. Regionalization, or land classification, can be observed in various disciplines. In agriculture, see agricultural land classification. In biogeography, see biogeography, biogeographic units. In ecology, see ecological land classification. In geography, it has two ways. The process of delineating the earth, its small areas or other units into regions and a state of such a delineation. In globalization discourse, it represents a world that becomes less interconnected with stronger regional focus. In politics, it is the process of dividing a political entity or country into smaller jurisdictions, administrative divisions, or subnational units, and transferring power from the central government to the regions. The opposite of unitarization. In sport, it is when a team has multiple home venues in different cities. Example of regionalized teams include a few teams in the defunct American Basketball Association or the Green Bay Packers when they played in both Green Bay and Milwaukee from 1933 to 1994. Let's click into the American Basketball Association. The American Basketball Association, or ABA, was a major men's professional basketball league from 1967 to 1976. The ABA ceased to exist with the American Basketball Association National Basketball Association merger in 1976, leading to four ABA teams joining the National Basketball Association and to the introduction of the three-point shot in the NBA in 1979. The ABA was conceived at a time stretching from 1960 through the mid-70s when numerous upstart leagues were challenging with varying degrees of success the established major professional sports leagues in the United States. Basketball was seen as particularly vulnerable to a challenge. Its major league, the National Basketball Association, was the youngest of the big four major leagues, having only played 21 seasons to that point, and was still fending off contemporary challenging leagues. It had been less than five years since the American Basketball League shut down. According to one of the owners of the Indiana Pacers, its goal was to force a merger with the more established league. Potential investors were told that they could get an ABA team for half of what it cost to get an NBA expansion team at the time. When the merger occurred, ABA officials said their investment would more than double. The ABA distinguished itself from its older counterpart with a more wide-open, flashy style of offensive play, as well as differences in rules a 30-second shot clock as opposed to the NBA's 24-second clock, though the ABA did switch to the 24-second shot clock for the 75-76 season, 
and use of a three-point field goal arc, pioneered in the earlier ABL. Also, the ABA used a colorful red, white, and blue ball instead of the NBA's traditional orange ball. The ABA also had several regional franchises, such as the Virginia Squires and Carolina Cougars that played home games in several cities. The freewheeling style of the ABA eventually caught on with fans, but the lack of a national television contract and protracted financial losses would spell doom for the ABA as an independent circuit. In 1976, its last year of existence, the ABA pioneered the now-popular slam dunk contest at its all-star game in Denver. The league succeeded in forcing a merger with the NBA in the 1976 offseason. Four ABA teams were absorbed into the older league. The New York Nets, Denver Nuggets, Indiana Pacers, and San Antonio Spurs. As part of the merger agreement, the four teams were not permitted to participate in the 1976 NBA draft. The merger was particularly hard on the Nets. The New York Knicks were firmly established in their arena, Madison Square Garden, and would not permit the Nets to share dates there. For drawing audience away from the Knicks, the Nets were forced to pay $4.3 million to the Knicks organization. The Nets offered league superstar Julius Irving instead, but the Knicks declined. The Nets had to settle for an arena in Pixitawe, New Jersey, and to meet expenses, were forced to sell the contract of Irving to the Philadelphia 76ers. Let's click into Madison Square Garden. Madison Square Garden, colloquially known as the Garden, or by its initials MSG, is a multi-purpose indoor arena in New York City. It is located in Midtown Manhattan, between 7th and 8th Avenues from 31st to 33rd Street above Pennsylvania Station. It is the fourth venue to bear the name Madison Square Garden. The first two, 1879 and 1890, were located on Madison Square on East 26th Street and Madison Avenue, with the third Madison Square Garden, 1925, farther uptown and 8th Avenue and 50th Street. The Garden hosts professional ice hockey, professional basketball, boxing, mixed martial arts, concerts, ice shows, circuses, professional wrestling, and other forms of sports and entertainment. It is close to other midtown Manhattan landmarks, including the Empire State Building, Koreatown, and Macy's at Herald Square. It is home to the New York Rangers of the National Hockey League, the New York Knicks of the National Basketball Association, and was home to the New York Liberty of the Women's National Basketball Association from 1997 to 2017. Originally called Madison Square Garden Center, the Garden opened on February 11, 1968, and is the oldest major sporting facility in the New York metropolitan area. It is the oldest arena in the NBA and the second oldest arena in the NHL. As of 2016, MSG is also the second busiest music arena in the world 
in terms of ticket sales, including two major renovations. Its total construction cost was approximately $1.1 billion and has been ranked as one of the top 10 most expensive stadium venues ever built. It is part of the Pennsylvania Plaza office and retail complex named for the railway station. Several other operating entities related to the garden share its name. To wrap up, let's read about the Penn Station renovation controversy. Madison Square Garden is seen as an obstacle in the renovation and future expansion of Penn Station, which expanded in 2021 with the opening of Moynihan Train Hall at the James Farley Post Office, and some have proposed moving MSG other sites in western Manhattan. On February 15, 2013, Manhattan Community Board 5 voted 36 to 0 against granting a renewal to MSG's operating permit in perpetuity and proposed a 10-year limit instead in order to build a new Penn Station where the arena is currently standing. Manhattan Borough President Scott Stringer said, Moving the arena is an important first step to improving Penn Station. The Madison Square Garden Company responded by saying that it is incongruous to think that MSG would be considering moving. In May 2013, four architecture firms, SHOP Architects, SOM, H3 Hardy Collaboration Architecture, and Diller, Scofido, and Renfo, submitted proposals for a new Penn Station. SHOP Architects recommended moving Madison Square Garden to the Morgan Postal Facility a few blocks southwest, as well as removing two Penn Plaza and redeveloping other towers and an extension of the High Line to Penn Station. Meanwhile, SOM proposed moving Madison Square Garden to the area just south of the James Farley Post Office, and redeveloping the area above Penn Station as a mixed-use development with commercial, residential, and recreational space. H3 Hardy Collaboration Architecture wanted to move the arena to a new pier west of Jacob K. Javits Convention Center, four blocks west of the current station and arena. Then, according to H3's plan, four skyscrapers would be built, one at each of the four quarters of the new Penn Station superblock with a roof garden on top of the station. The Farley Post Office would become an education center. Finally, Diller, Scafido, and Renfro proposed a mixed-use development on the site with spas, theaters, a cascading park, a pool, and restaurants. Madison Square Garden would be moved two blocks west, next to the post office. DSNF also proposed high-tech features in the station, such as train arrival and departure boards on the floor, and apps that would inform waiting passengers of ways to occupy their time until they board their trains. Madison Square Garden rejected the notion that it would be relocated and called the plans pie in the sky. In June 2013, the New York City Council Committee on Land Use voted unanimously to give the garden a 10-year permit, at the end of which period the owners will either have to relocate 
or go back through the permission process. On July 24th, the City Council voted to give the garden a 10-year operating permit by a vote of 47 to 1. This is the first step in finding a new home for Madison Square Garden and building a new Penn Station that is great as New York and suitable for the 21st century, said City Council Speaker Christine Quinn. This is an opportunity to reimagine and redevelop Penn Station as a world-class transportation destination. In October 2014, the Morgan facility was selected as the ideal arena for Madison Square Garden to be moved. Following the 2014 MAS Summit in New York City, more plans for the station were discussed. Then, in January 2016, New York Governor Andrew Cuomo announced a redevelopment plan for Penn Station that would involve the removal of the theater at Madison Square Garden, but would otherwise leave the arena intact. In June 2023, nearing the end of the garden's 10-year permit granted by the city, the Metropolitan Transportation Authority, along with Amtrak and NJ Transit, filed a report stating that MSG is no longer compatible with Penn Station, with the report saying, MSG's existing configuration and property boundaries impose several constraints on the station that impede the safe and efficient movement of passengers and restrict efforts to implement improvements, particularly at the street and platform levels. That was a long last article, but hopefully it was dry enough that you've gone nighty-night already. If not, keep your eyes closed, start to drift, and we'll see you next time. Sleep well.